You're listening to Scorched. A raw, real, and unfiltered podcast about drag racing and motorsports. Hosted by the man willing to burn it all down. And now, the man himself, E3 Extreme's own Damon Steinke. Back for another episode of Scorched. Hope everybody enjoyed the last episode where we discussed the ridiculous that is uh, fanatics in our industry. Uh, yeah, that's uh, just a sore subject for me sometimes. Today we're going to talk about something a little bit different. We are going to look back, because we are getting to the end of the season, and most series have already wrapped up competition for the year except for NHRA, which has got about another week and a half left uh, from today to wrap up their season in Pomona. Some of the classes have already been wrapped up, some aren't. Uh, there's some mighty close competition going on in almost all the classes, especially pro stock and funny car. Uh, today we will focus a little bit more on eh, things like PDRA, Midwest Drag Racing Series. I'll tell you, I go to about go to about and cover eh, 40, 45 events a year. I had the pleasure of doing back-to-back weekends with PDRA one weekend in their world finals at Virginia, and then the following weekend being in Ferris, Texas for the Midwest Drag Racing Series world finals at XRP Extreme Raceway Park. Holy shit, was that two great weekends. I'm telling you. World finals, when classes have not been decided, it doesn't get much better than that. I mean, you're standing on the starting line, or in my case, the starting line, or the wall, or wherever it may be, and you're wondering what's going to happen. I mean, I don't care what anyone says. You can be teammates with somebody. If you're racing for a championship, and the championship is on the line... You're not going to lay down for anybody. That's for damn sure. Now, PDRA over in Pro Nitrous this year, I'm not going to say it was a runaway by any means, but Halsey pretty much kicked the sh- out of everybody in that class for most of the season. And we're talking, oh, more than a 900-point difference between him and Tommy at the end of the season. Um, in Pro Nitrous. Again, they finished one and two. Uh, Jay Cox wrapped up in three, and he was still uh, 200 and, uh, 215 points or so behind uh, Tommy, which isn't, a, which isn't a big margin, but Halsey pretty much ran away with it. I mean, he was at over 3,400 points to Tommy's 2,500 points. So he had pretty much wrapped that one up. That was in the bag, I think, before they even got to Virginia. Yeah, I think the most that you can get is 500 and some points per race. So he had that he had that wrapped up before they even went into Virginia. It was still exciting to see uh, to see the racing action, but we knew uh, 
that his championship was already locked up. Um, Pro Boost, though, listen, I'll tell you, there a Pro Boost came down to the last run of the season in that class. The only two, I mean, there were quite a few cars fighting it out. It really came down to um, Rivenbark and Ferris. And Rivenbark had actually gone out early. Um, he, I don't remember if it was the quarters of the semis that Rivenbark went out. I, I, I can't tell you what exact round it was. But the excitement of the people standing on the starting line watching the final of Pro Boost was was ridiculous because what you had was Daniel Ferris in the left lane and Randy Weatherford in the right lane. If Weatherford beat Ferris, then Rivenbark would be your champion. If Ferris beat Weatherford, Daniel would be your champion. And now most of you know Daniel from his time, his extensive time in radial racing. Uh, but this year he went big tire racing over in PDRA Pro Boost and showed that he can essentially drive any damn thing with tires on it. Let me let me read you this. This is the final point standings for Pro Boost in PDRA. Rivenbark, twenty eight oh six. Daniel Ferris, twenty seven ninety eight. That's an eight-point difference, folks. An eight-point difference. That in itself is huge. But wait, if you look at number three, number three was Todd Tuttero, the Todd Tuttero, 2784. That means Todd was only 14 points behind Daniel. And Weatherford was less, or Weatherford ended up 102 points behind Daniel. So you had four cars Rivenbark, Ferris, Tuttero, and Weatherford. Four cars. The spread, the total spread, 110 points from 2806 to 2696. 110 points. Let's think about that a second. Four cars and four of the quickest, fastest, most extraordinary Pro Boost cars on the planet separated after, what do they have, eight races over there? Two, four, six? Yeah, I believe there's eight races in PDRA. After eight races, four cars are separated by 110 points total. That's some damn good racing, folks. I mean, if you follow ProMod, which I know a lot of my listeners do, 110 points? I mean, let's let's look at the numbers here. Tuttero's worst event, 134 points. Daniel's worst event, 136 points. Randy Weatherford's worst event, 135 points. Rivenbark's worst event, 135 points. So none of them, 
I mean, literally, if you drop, or not even drop, but but what I'm saying is the difference between those four cars is a smaller margin than any of the four of them, their worst race. And I stand corrected. Randy Weatherford's worst race was 130. But still, 110 points separating four cars after eight races, including some hot races in Virginia and Galat. I mean, it was like uncomfortably hot. And for those of you that uh, follow Pro Mod or drag racing in general, when it gets uncomfortably hot like that, the track sometimes gets greasy and you have other issues at play but still 110 points you wonder why our sport is so great we're talking 110 points in one of the top classes in all of the country 110 points separated them that that says a huge huge amount moving over to uh I'm just going to, we're going to go through some of the PDRA stuff. We're going to go so, through some of the Midwest stuff. Just uh, chat about champions and what's kind of gone on over the last uh, few months since I've been with you last. Uh, Pro Stock, Pro Stock is, listen, if you like, if you like driving and banging gears and what, yeah, the Extreme Pro Stock is definitely the class for you. Chris Powers, uh, Chris Powers wrapped it up. Uh, JR Carr came in second. Placino in third. Uh, the rest were uh, pretty distant. Elijah and Boone and Monte Calvo uh, going down the list. But yeah, Chris Powers with a commanding almost 300 point uh, end of season over JR Carr. Two oh, I'm sorry. 2604 to 2321. So that was uh Chris Powers took that one. I'm not gonna say convincingly, because uh in some of these series, unlike NHRA where you barely get squat per round, uh you get a lot more points per round in other organizations like PDRA. So uh less than a three hundred point spread is not that much of a spread. Uh I know a lot of you would think, well, that's a huge spread if you're looking at NHRA points. It's a much less uh, large, most, much less of a spread in the PDRA world. So put to put that into perspective, uh, less than 300 points in pro stock. 632, 632, I think, if I remember correctly, Wes uh, DiStefano had already wrapped up the championship before they got to Virginia. Uh, don't quote me on that because, well, just don't. But pretty sure that he had it wrapped up. He ended up uh, winning the class by 600-plus um, points. So, yeah, I believe that he had it wrapped up before they even went to uh, Virginia. I mean, he was at 3770, and Daryl Stewart was at 3117. So it was pretty – those were the only two that even had over 3,000 points. But that's also because uh, 632 is a very, very competitive class. Uh, you had, uh, unfortunately, Dylan Voss couldn't make it for the finals. I know that um, they were working on some stuff. 
So we're not able to make it for the finals. They finished in fourth, uh, right behind Chris Holdor. So uh, I, I look for that to continue to be uh, a huge building, a, a huge building block class uh, in the future. The uh, Amber Franklin, Amber Franklin came on at the end of the season and went to like I think both of the races she entered, she went to the finals. So definitely look for Amber Franklin, uh, Lexi Tanner, and some of the others, uh, some of the young guns, Jordan Enslin. They're all going to make huge strides in the offseason. And uh, don't be surprised to see any of any of those names. Uh, Amber, especially Amber and Lexi and, and Jordan. Don't be surprised if you see some of these young guns next season out there just tearing it up and going straight to the top of the leaderboards uh, in 632. I move over to Pro Nitrous Motorcycle, and I want to hang my head a little bit. Listen, I've never been a huge bike guy, but damn, I think it takes uh, a special kind of person to be able to drive, and I don't even know if you consider ride these things, whether it's NHRA Pro Stock Motorcycle or PDRA Pro Nitrous Motorcycle or the Harley bikes, whatever it may be, these people are absolutely insane. And uh, Chris Garner-Jones wrapped it up uh, that weekend in Virginia. Did a great job. He was just really on it. And um, I look at... I look at him and go, well, you know, and I asked him, I said, where is everybody? And he said, well, some people have stepped back and, you know, things like that. And they see numbers on the board and they think those numbers are unobtainable and don't show up. And, well, here's the problem with that. You don't show up because you think, oh, boy, these numbers are so unobtainable. And I understand if we're talking about something like radio versus the world where, if you've got a 361 car, you know that a 349 car, you're not, you're not going to run a 349. But here's the thing. That's why we don't race on paper. We don't race based on staring at a scoreboard of what somebody else ran. There's so many other factors that come into it. So I really hope uh, that we can see an uptick in the show out for bikes because I think they put on a great show. And I think people truly enjoy... Uh, watching the bikes but congratulations obviously to Chris Garner Jones um, by the time you're listening to this I'll actually probably be on my way to Huntsville hopefully I'll get to see Chris uh, I'll be going over there for Radio Fest okay now we're talking pro street guys pro street if you were a drag racing fan in the 90s and early 2000s and you loved everything that was Outlaw 10.5, you should be paying attention to Pro Street. Now, I will say, um, Tim Essek just kicked everybody's dick in. Uh, but with that said, if, again, if you were an Outlaw 10.5 fan of a back-in-the-day Outlaw 10.5 fan, you damn sure should be paying attention to Pro Street because Pro Street is a class that is here for the long haul. 
It will grow again next year. It will continue to grow. And it is some fun racing. Listen, Ty Casper, that guy I think was going for a pilot's license every time I see him in that Mustang. I mean, I've got photos up on one wheel, you know, front end pointed to the sky. In these cars are not easy to handle. Um, you've got Nick Schroeder. Nick Schroeder is arguably got one of the most competitive cars, and he was down in, uh, let's see, he was down in fourth, uh, given he did miss a couple of races, it looks like, or at least one of them. Uh, looks like he missed the Norwalk race. Jesse Lambert, Jesse Lambert. I mean, it, when they have everything sorted out on that car, that car is going to be a player. Tim, like I said, did kind of kick everyone's dick in uh, in winning the championship. I He was more than 800 points ahead of anybody else. But again, this is going to be a class that will rival any class in the nation as far as the enjoyment factor and and seeing real cars do cool shit so definitely pay attention uh to pro street next year because i think it's i think you're gonna see a lot more people come out and play in that in that arena Uh, people got sick and tired of the bullshit that went on with 10-5 and no offense to anybody but let's face it uh, it's the moment that you put radials on you fuck that whole class up so uh, I understand why it was done, but now we've got Pro Street, and I think Pro Street is kind of the second coming of 10.5. We saw an uptick in 10.5, and then and then it kind of went away. Um, we saw an uptick when they put the radials on, and to me that it's, yeah, great, 10.5's back on the rise, and I wrote articles about it. It wasn't. 10.5 though it was like 10.5 on steroids um pro street you're looking at you know mid 90s to low 40s maybe 14s very close racing very good racing back on slick tires so we're not sitting there with our thumbs in our asses waiting for 25 minutes to prep a track and put down 8600 gallons of glue on the track just to you know get one person to run a number or whatever it is um, so yeah, keep an eye out for Pro Street. Definitely going to be a class worth watching again next year. I'm really looking forward to it. Um, Pedia, listen, and I don't know what it is, and I think it's, um, I don't think it's a generational divide thing, uh, but I do think that more younger uh, dragster and top sportsman people tend to live on the East Coast versus the Midwest and out West. And I see that in the number of cars that show up for PDRA um, because younger people realize that NHRA is a fucking waste of time and there isn't nearly as much prestige in winning a Wally as there used to be. I said what I said. Again, I'll repeat that. There is not nearly as much prestige in winning a Wally. At a divisional race, as there used to be. So, with that said, P- PDRA gets a ton of dragsters. I think, in, in not even including the dragsters, if I remember correctly, I was told that there were 70 top sportsman cars on the property in um, Virginia for the World Finals. 
So you can imagine they do break those up into two classes. They do have your um, top sportsman, and I believe they have a top dragster elite and a top sportsman elite. Um, I think they call them elite top sportsman and elite top dragster. Uh, Tim Molnar was the champion uh, kind of running away from Donnie Urban in elite top sportsman. He had covered by over 600 and some points, it looks like. Um, so he kind of took that running away, um, but they have just, I mean, they've got a, they've got a solid field up and down and you're talking some of the biggest names in top sportsmen, uh, Cheyenne Stanley, Erica Coleman, again, Donnie Urban, um, uh, Dwayne Silence, Aaron Glasser sometimes competes, um, Randy Perkinson, just, you know, Dan Ferguson, you've got names that you recognize um, on the regular that are competing in Bruce Thrift, Glenn Butcher, um, that are competing in in elite top sportsmen. And it is really uh, top sportsmen, top dragster brackets are really the backbone of drag racing. So, uh, again, congratulations to Tim. Uh, he wrapped up the Magnafuel Elite Top Sportsman over in PDRA. Uh, moving over to the, uh, I guess you would call it the the standard Top Sportsman class, which, you know, takes like five pages worth of points because they have so many competitors. Um, and, I, and I may butcher the name, and I apologize if I do, but Nick Maloney. Uh, Nick Maloney was your champion over in the Magnafuel Top Sportsman. Mm, by 910 points so again he he had a walk away but it's not easy I mean we're talking about Ronnie Proctor runs over there Stacy Hall was runner-up Joe Rubicek um I mean the list goes on Ed Foley the list goes on and on um of people who run in top sportsmen over there so it's not an easy class to win it's all about the consistency at that point. But like I said, Nick kind of kind of walked the field, if you will. Uh, when you win by, you know, 910 points or so, you're doing something right. Just saying. So congratulations again to Nick on the championship over in uh, Magnafuel Top Sportsman. Moving over to their elite top dragster, uh, Peter... Uh, Matterai, I I'm gonna slaughter this one. Uh, Matterai, less or less than a hundred points separated him and Michael White in elite top dragster. Twenty six oh two to twenty five oh five. So what are you talking about? Ninety seven points there. I mean, that's a slim margin when you're talking about elite top dragsters, and you've got uh. Robert Pickens and Kathy Fitch, Kathy Fisher up there. There's, again, it just amazing racers and great race and tight, close racing. Um, if you've never, in, in given, in the past, I've never been a huge fan of top dragster and top sportsman because I was always much more, I, I raced bracket style, but I was much more interested as a fan in heads up racing until I started to realize how much effort it takes and how skilled 
that these top dragster and top sportsman people are at driving these things. And it's just amazing. You would be amazed because we're talking about, you don't just get to go and say, oh, I'm going to put another two pounds of boost in it and send it. I mean, we're talking about number. We're talking about hundredths of a second between competitors and having to, you know, figure out based on weather conditions and everything else. It's not like, it's not like heads up racing where you can just go out there and it doesn't matter the number you run. These people have to figure out what they believe they're going to run before they ever even pull into the water box. So do that and then be on a pass. Try to figure out if your competitor is going to run their number. You've got no idea what their reaction time was. It's There's so much that goes into Top Dragster and Top Sportsman, and I don't think they get enough credit for it. And I don't think they get enough credit for us in the media, from us in the media that cover drag racing. These Top Sportsman and Top Dragster people are, are, are ridiculously amazing. Um, TJ Paschal uh, won the, uh, I guess, do we call it the standard top dragster uh, class over Nick Maloney, it looks like, uh, 3122 to 2766. Again, not a, not a runaway by any means. And you want to talk about, again, they get a lot of show out for their top dragster and top sportsman classes. It's very impressive. Moving on to what, and and given I wasn't trying to limit the amount of time that I talk about the other top dragster class, but I think you you definitely get the picture of what I'm trying to uh, tell you regarding some of these classes. I want to talk about the most important class, not spectator-wise, probably not sponsor-wise, but what I think is the most important class in all of drag racing, junior dragsters. They are the future of our sport. And if we don't start treating it like that, that's going to be a long-term problem. Those are problems that we don't want to have to deal with. So support your juniors. Yes, I know they sometimes sound like lawnmowers on steroids. I don't care. I, they, the kids are really into it. They love it and their passion for the sport, and that's how we continue to grow the sport. Ethan Stedding. Ethan Stedding took the Pro Junior uh, win by 97 points. He won that race, and he, let's face it, I, I'm looking at the points. Ethan had a terrible world finals, had to rely on others to win that championship, had to rely on others uh, to make sure that uh, that he ended up walking away with that championship, and that's exactly what happened. Sometimes it takes a little bit of luck, and like I said, he had a terrible world finals, but... Got the job done all season long. So hats off to Ethan Stedding. Uh, he won that championship by 96, I'm sorry, 97 points. 
Is that right? Yeah, 97 points. 2146 to 2049. That's pretty damn impressive. These kids, these kids are on their game, and honestly, these kids drive better than some pro mod drivers I know. In the junior dragsters, uh, Rowan Parlett took home uh, the junior dragster championship. Yeah, by about what do we get? Two hundred and ten points or so uh, over Alyssa Rabin. I apologize if I'm pronouncing Alyssa's name wrong, but. Um, Again, they get they get a huge turnout in juniors too. These kids, they love to race. They love to be there. Most of the time, they've got a smile on their face, unless they lose. Um, but that's just like any other racer. So uh, Rowan Parlett, uh, like I said, took away the championship. Had a great, uh, a much better World Finals than he did at Galat, um, and a much better World Finals than he had at their first Virginia race. So he was kind of uh, the picture of up and down a lot of the season. Had a had really not a good Galat race, a uh, decent Bowling Green race. Norwalk uh, crushed it in Norwalk and then went back to back and uh, crushed it in Maryland. Dropped off a little bit in Virginia in the summertime. Uh, Redding came back and uh, did quite well was very pedestrian at Galat. Uh, Galat, he was just didn't seem to have good luck at either Galat race this year. And then came back and did great at the World Finals. So it's that up down, but when he was up, he was he was crushing it and uh garnering as many points as he could. So my hats off to uh to Rowan. And again, I hope that these kids continue to race uh well into the future. Because we need them to. It's it's important to the lifeblood of our sport that they continue to race. Moving over to the Midwest Drag Racing Series, which you guys already know that our co-founder at E3 Extreme, Ellen Eschenbacher, is the one uh, pretty much running the show over there. Uh, know that Keith Haney created the series and has really given the reins to Ellen to run with and Ellen and uh, Randy Hancock do an absolutely amazing job over there I'm telling you I see it day in and day out because Ellen and I still talk almost every day and so I am very uh, versed in what's going on over in the Midwest Drag Racing Series along with uh, Jimmy Bowles and for part of the season June Torres was over there doing tech and uh again it was we we went into uh and i say we because i also photograph every single uh midwest drag racing series event so i say we i i see them a lot and there was four cars in pro mod now, for those of you who don't follow Midwest Drag Racing Series, it is unlike PDRA in the aspect that Midwest Drag Racing Series has all of their pro mod combinations, Roots, Screw, Turbo, Nitrous, all of them, Turbos also, can't believe I forgot Turbos, um, all of the combos compete together. They do not separate them out. 
The rules are very close. The racing is very, very close. And, uh, again, it shows it came down to the world finals before this class was settled. And coming into the race, last year's number two, uh, last year's runner-up, Joey Oaks. He was in contention. Jim Whiteley from Why Not Racing. The series founder, Keith Haney. And then Ed Thornton. Uh, some of you may know Ed Thornton runs stupid mile an hour with Shane T tuning that thing. Uh, rounding out the top, top five was uh, Stroud Safety owner Tommy Cunningham. Joey Oaks. Joey, out from California, secured the championship. So last year, this kid, just to give you a little bit of backstory on this, last year he runnered up to teammate Ron Minix, um in the uh, in the points. His dad, Scott, has won like the World Series of um, drag racing or whatever that was that um, DI was doing when it was out in Colorado. Scott won that. Um, Jeff Pierce tunes this car. And I'll tell you, you want to talk about one of the most underrated tuners on the face of the planet. That would be Jeff Pierce. And by the way, last year's champion, Ron Minix, Jeff Pierce tuned. Just saying, guys. So, Joey ends up with, after, because they do have an attendance bonus, um, and uh, they ended up having seven or eight races. It was seven races, yeah, seven races plus an attendance attendance bonus based on, you know, if you got 50 points or whatever if you attended X amount of races. So, Joey ends up with 764. Jim Whiteley ends up with 650. Jim went out first or second round in... Um, at XRP in the world finals. It is shocking. Like, even I was sitting there going, I can't believe this just happened. Watching this going, did that really just happen? Because Jim and that whole team, which includes um, Stevie Stevie Jackson and Phil Schuler and uh, others, I mean, that team was on a mission. And and not to say Joey and, and Scott and Jeff and their entire team weren't, but there was just something. I mean, they wanted it, and they wanted it bad, and so did Joey. Um, and Joey was just like, no, I'm, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do whatever I need to do to make sure that I win this championship and that Jim doesn't. And then Jim went out first round. Something happened. I don't know if the car shut off or it popped the blower or whatever it was about two or 300 feet out. And we were just all standing there like, can't believe that shit just happened. Well, that's why we don't race on paper. That's why we go to the track. So Jim ended up at 650 points. Haney. Keith Haney, you know his name. Well, at least you think you know his name. 
Anyways, uh, Keith ends up third at 624, and rounding out the top four was Ed Thornton at 572. Joey was the most consistent driver all season. I mean, I got to see him for every race. He was he was by far the most consistent. I think he had three wins. I know he runnered up at the uh, at the World Finals. So, yeah, I mean, he runnered up to to Turbo Todd Moyer. Um, I don't know if we call him like Pro Charger Todd Moyer now, but I'll still call him Turbo Todd. Um, and Joey runnered up to. I mean, Todd dropped it dropped a number that was going to be hard. I think Joey had like a 69 and Todd had a 66 or something like that in the finals. I, I couldn't, don't quote me that because I'm probably wrong, but I think Todd ran a 66. Either way, Joey was on a mission. I mean, he was really on a mission to win that championship and solidify his spot as one of the true up-and-comers in the sport that is probably going to be around for a very long time and win a lot of championships. Uh, but. Let's let's not forget in Midwest. Um, if I remember correctly, we in the entire time that that series has been around, there has not been a two time pro mod champion. I don't believe Aaron Wells won it one year, Jonas won it one year, Keith won it, Ron Minix won it, Joey won it. Yeah, I don't think there's been a uh, a repeat or a two-time Pro Mod winner as far as the championship goes in the Midwest Drag Racing Series. So kudos and hats off to everybody. I did talk to, uh, just briefly, I'll touch on this. I talked to Robert Gallegos. Um, I'm going to try to have him on the show at some point. He's the one with that beautiful, like, dove gray Willis that um, ended up on its lid at XRP. He was absolutely heartbroken about it. Um, I talked to some people, stated the car was fixable, um, and I wanted to bring Robert on at some point to talk about safety equipment as well because he was, I mean... You know, I was standing right there when it happened, and that was that was a rough go of it. Um, but yeah, to you know, we're talking Stouffer. I've already heard rumors that his he's gonna have a new car out for next year. Um, Brian Lewis. Um, so I'm hoping to see Brian. Brian will be back next year uh, with a I think a new car. Brandon Lewis. Um, again, Aaron Wells, who is always consistent. Tony Strachan. Tony, I probably screwed that one up. Um, Tony was number six, and let me tell you, those guys are getting their stuff together over there. Um, and and they're going to be a force to reckon with next year, too. It, it, Tommy Cunningham, Tommy, probably one of the best families in all of drag racing, period. If you ever get a chance to hang out with the Cunningham crew, do so. They're just amazing people. And make sure that you're getting your safety equipment from Stroud Safety. 
Ed Thornton, I'm, I would assume that Ed's going to be back next year. I mean, the mile an hour that he's running is stupid. Uh, 221, 222 in the eighth. Um, huge numbers out of that crew. And obviously with Shane T on the keyboard and making the tuning calls, I don't think anybody should be surprised because Shane knows what the hell he's doing. Uh, moving over to... <laughs> You want to talk about an insane group of people, and I think that we're going to start to see more and more of them uh, not necessarily leave NHRA, um, but realize that maybe NHRA isn't the greatest thing since sliced fucking bread. The JNA service funny car class over in Midwest Drag Racing. I know a lot of you are used to seeing quarter mile uh, alcohol funny cars. Eighth mile funny cars are awesome. There was three cars, if I remember correctly, mathematically, three cars that could still win the championship. It was going to be Sean Bellamere, Chris Marshall, and Bill Bernard. Boy, did these guys not disappoint. And you want to talk about some of the most fun people to be around. Um, All of them. All of them are just great, great racers. Uh, And you had Annie Whiteley rounding out the top four in the Why Not Racing. Um, they're, They're just amazing amazing competitors and if you know because it's been all over social media sean bellamere in fact after the midwest world finals then proceeded to turn around and go to vegas and win the nhra world championship uh in alcohol funny car going from quarter mile or eighth mile to quarter mile and on top of that at the previous Tulsa race I mean they blew their shit up bad uh that was probably one of the worst bangers that I've ever seen and yeah it was it was rough and add to that Sean had to miss the Martin race because of a previous engagement he won the championship so let me explain this Bellamere Marshall Bill Bernard Annie Whiteley and Brian Brown all got the 50 points, the 50 attendance points. I think it was if you did six out of seven races, you got a 50 point bonus. The margin of victory total in points between Sean Bellamere and Chris Marshall, 56 points. 666 to 610 after the attendance bonus. So you are talking about a six-point difference. You know, the attendance bonus type of type of thing. Well, it's still a 56-point difference, but, you know, I mean, Sean missed that Martin race, and let's put it this way. If Chris Marshall would have gone one more round in Tulsa or one more round in Martin probably would have well it would have had to be you know I don't know I I would have to look back at it but we're talking 56 points total 
I mean, if if Sean Bellamere had to attend the World Finals, there was no doubt about it. He absolutely had to be there because if he wasn't there, he wouldn't have gotten the attendance bonus either and essentially would have handed Chris Marshall the championship. So Bellamere had to be there. And if you guys follow me at all on social media, you know that Bellamere is the best winner's circle photos ever. He gets back on the back of the car. Um, what were we in Tulsa? I think it was. And his wife, Ashley, and all three of their, all three of the kids got up on the back of the car too. It was just, and this time we managed to get, um, the tune, his tuner bogs, uh, on the back of the car for this winter. So, I mean, it was just, it was a sight to behold. It was, it was pretty cool. Um, congratulations though, to Sean, uh, dual championship this year. And, and let's think about that guys. Just for a second, if you're listening to this, let's think about this. Sean and, and and a lot of these other guys all run NHRA too. So they switch back and forth between quarter mile and eighth mile, um, quarter mile and eighth mile setups, including Chris Marshall. Sean won the championship in an eighth mile series and won the world championship in a quarter mile series. In the same season. That in itself is pretty damn impressive, if you ask me. Anybody, including Chris or Bill or Annie, uh, Brian, any of these guys, these men and women who compete in both eighth mile and quarter mile in the same season and excel at it, you're not just taking a quarter mile a setup and going, okay, we're just going to run half the length. That's not how this shit works. There's a lot of other stuff that you don't see that goes on behind the scenes to even be able to run eighth mile versus quarter mile. There's gearing changes and there's a lot of different setup stuff. So don't think that they're just going, oh, leave the same setup and just run half the distance. That's not how this works. So kudos Again, huge congratulations to Sean and Chris, Bill, Annie, Brian, your top five in Midwest's uh, alcohol funny car class. I think you're going to see a lot more people starting to come over to the eighth mile uh, Midwest next year. Definitely a good time. You get treated a hell of a lot better than you do at NHRA. Uh, The payout's better. And you don't have to be there for like four days parked in like bum diddly fuck Egypt where you can't even hear your lane calls so that's just my opinion uh I mean I've covered both and I've talked to drivers from both and I think you're going to start to see a lot more of those drivers over in the Midwest than um than you have previously again huge growing class okay gonna move over to top sportsman 100 points folks that was the difference between your two-time Musi Race Engines top sportsman champion, Calvin Brown, and number two, Michael Chitty. 100 points. That's not too damn bad. And Michael missed our great bend race. So... Calvin Brown, 
your two-time Musi Race Engine Stop Sportsman. Kelvin went back-to-back. I don't care who you are, where you race, what you race. If you are a back-to-back champion in a class like Top Sportsman, Pro Mod, Top Dragster, whatever it may be, that is pretty damn impressive if you ask me. Calvin, you know, was the, uh, I don't want to say epitome of consistent because I think he was more consistent last year than he was this year. But he went rounds, won race. I think he won in Ferris and I think he won both Ferris races. Yeah, I think he won the season opener. Yeah, he won the season opener and the season and the um, world finals. Yeah, that sounds about right. God, you'd think I'd know this shit. I was there, but everything becomes a blur. Um, again, I do believe that you will continue to see top sportsmen grow over in um, Midwest. I think a lot of that has to do with the pool of drivers that you pull from because for some reason, the people in the Midwest and out West like to piss away their money at the divisionals. I don't get it. It's and not all of them go to, and again, it's not a dig on any driver. I mean, each to their own. Wherever they want to race, they want to race. I just don't understand why people waste their time racing someplace uh, that doesn't give two shits about them, and that's what NHRA does. They don't give a shit about sportsman racers. They don't really give a shit about anybody but um, nitro racers. They made that abundantly clear by the way that they treat people. Anyways, that's neither here nor there. That's a whole nother episode that we will, uh, we will touch base on that in a whole nother episode. James Ogden, Travis Leach, Shannon Smith, round out your top your top five in top sportsmen and Musi Racing Engines top sportsmen uh, for the 2021 championship run. But Calvin Brown, again, car number one. He's retaining that number one next year, and you can bet. I've already talked to him numerous times since we've uh, gotten back from Texas. Because he only lives a few hours from me, I am actually going to have him on the show also. Um, he'll be back for next season, doing it all again. And there's and there's something else I want to touch on um, that I will before we wrap before we wrap up the show today. I'll uh, touch on it at the end, but it's got to do with top sportsman and top dragster. Top dragster again. The same thing with uh, top sportsmen. Uh, you want to talk about a fight to the finish. Mathematically, coming into Texas, I think there were three cars, three dragsters that could still win the championship. And it really came down to... It came down to going rounds this season. It wasn't all about somebody winning every single race. It also came down to the number one qualifier and how you qualified. Anita Strasberg, out of the um, JNA 
camp over there because her uh, sister is Anita. She ended up winning the top dragster championship, 539, over Chase Huffman, 453, and Jessica Ogden at 411. All three of these competitors were consistent all season long. Anita, I don't even know if there was a race that Anita didn't have the number one qualifier. Um, and I'm, I'm sure that I'm wrong about that. I'm sure that there was. But my point is, Anita was on it all season long. Her best race was the Tulsa, the second Tulsa race. Um, but consistently racking up points all season and earning the attendance bonus and, you know, 539 to 453. It's a lot closer than a lot of people would think it is. And uh, it's it's very... Uh, it's. I'm super happy about the fact that I look at this list and I see... Um, and this is going to sound really weird, but it's really nice to see so many women competing in Midwest drag racing series and winning championships and uh, competing at such a high level because I see so many, so many women get out of drag racing after juniors are done. So even over on the PRA side with uh, Lexi Tanner and with, um, the Franklin girls, everybody, you know, it's just so great. What you don't understand is we are the most diverse sport in the world. I mean, we are the only sport that I can think of off the top of my head where genders are not in at a pro level. You don't divide anybody up by gender. Y'all run together. This isn't like football or basketball or baseball or softball or whatever, soccer, whatever it may be. The every the men and the women compete against each other. And they are just as ferocious, no matter what the gender, of kicking the crap out of the other person in the other lane. So my a huge hats off to Anita on her championship run and her championship win. I look forward to seeing all of these people at the banquet. Unfortunately, I cannot make the PDRA banquet as I am not going to go to PRI this year. Um, just personal choice. I'm not a big fan of PRI. Um, but I will be going to the Midwest banquet in January, and I hope to see everybody, all of these people there. And obviously, um, I'll have I'll have photos and everything. Uh, for you guys from that so there you have those big ones but what I also don't want to uh, I don't want to forget about again in my opinion some of the most important stuff in uh, drag racing if not the most important is junior dragsters oh guess what pro junior dragster guys Jonathan McLean Jonathan McLean with a convincing championship run in Summit Pro Junior. 440 to uh, the next closest was 205. Jonathan McLean, I don't want to say he walked away with this championship, but Jonathan did a great job at securing his Pro Junior uh, 
championship. I mean, that was a solid, solid victory. Solid season. Uh, solid season for Jonathan. So big hats off to him. Uh, hope to see many more of the regulars back in Pro Junior uh, going all the way down the list. Hope to see a lot of them again next season. Um, again, I think it's so important that we support the junior classes and support them when they want to move up classes also. Keep them involved as much as possible. Tyler Wells, Sportsman Junior Dragster Champion. Tyler, obviously his dad Aaron uh, runs in our Pro Mod class, but Tyler takes home the Sportsman Junior 460 to uh, Carly uh, Brunbridge. I apologize if I slaughtered that name too. She was at 320, Tyler at 460. So it was a very solid victory for uh, Tyler in the Sportsman Juniors. Um, and on that, his sister Kenzie ended up fourth in Sportsman Junior as well. So a hats off to the Wells family. They had three family members uh, competing in our series in the Midwest Drag Racing Series in 2021 so a huge a huge shout out to the wells family and their dedication to the uh, midwest drag racing series along with the whiteley family the cunningham family uh, so many of these families are running multiple uh, cars and multiple classes things like that and it's just such a great family atmosphere and great to see the continued growth of our sport and speaking of family I want to touch on something for a moment before I wrap this up. And yes, at some point I will go over uh, some of the other series, but obviously those are the two that I spend the most time with. There are a couple of other series that I would like to touch base on, and we'll probably do so when we do an NHRA wrap-up show in a couple of weeks. Uh, don't worry, I will not forget about my people over in NMCA and NMRA. Uh, obviously I have not covered any of them nor have I covered any of their events this year didn't cover any of their events this year don't know if I will next year probably not we'll see um, but it, that doesn't mean that I don't still have much love for people who race over there uh, something I want to touch on though when we talk about family so we talked about the Wells family Aaron Aaron runs pro mod and his two kids are in sportsman junior um, Or the Whiteley family, where Jim runs in Pro Mod, Annie runs an alcohol funny car, and Annie's sister Anita was the top dragster champion. So three different vehicles, three different classes. The Ogden family. I want to talk about them for a second. Local Texas family. James finished third in Top Sportsman. Beautiful. I'm not a Chevy guy, folks. I've been a Ford guy pretty much my entire life. I'm a Mustang guy. James has got a beautiful Chevy, though. James finished third in Top Sportsman. Had a rough weekend in Ferris with some uh, some parts breaking and stuff like that. Always got it together. Man's always got a smile on his face. Just a good guy. His daughter, Jessica, finished third in Top Dragster. Pretty damn impressive, if you ask me. 
It's all about families. And, you know, even in PDRA, Tommy Franklin, Judy Franklin, and both of their kids, all of them are typically racing at a PDRA event. And you're, I think Judy, I believe, runs in like Bracket Bash. Um, the kids are in Pro, or I'm sorry, Outlaw 632 and Juniors, and then Tommy and Pro Mod. They're not running against each other. Yee. When you're talking about turnaround times, and that's why I get back to this uh, James and Jessica Ogden. So normally, Top Dragster runs first, and then Top Sportsman runs after them. Without fail, Jessica is normally one of the first people that you will see in the staging lanes for Top Dragster. There's a reason for that. Not necessarily that she always wants to go first, though I do know some people who prefer that. Um, She goes first so she can get the thing back to the trailer, hop on a scooter, and be back around to the staging lanes to help line her dad up in Top Sportsman and be there for her dad when he runs. That's not an easy task, folks. They don't have a crew of five, six, seven people working on their stuff. And luckily, they don't tear up a bunch of shit. But what I'm saying is, if you're the Franklin family, the Ogden family, the, you know, the uh, Whiteley family, listen, you don't, if you're working on one car, one car is tough enough. But concentrating and trying to work on multiple vehicles and multiple classes and having small teams. Again, these aren't these aren't teams that have six or seven people on each team with very specific roles. I mean, you're you're pretty much thrown into the fire and you're doing everything all the time. So, I want to give a big shout out to the Franklin family, to the Ogden family, uh, to the Whiteley family, to any of those families that they pit together, they race together. You know, that's what our sport is really all about. It's it's a big family. It's a big fucking dysfunctional family at times, but it's a family. And you see it when anybody else needs something, we become that tight-knit family. So, congratulations to all competitors in the PDRA and the Midwest Drag Racing Series. I've gotten to watch, between the two, I think I did two or three PDRA races this year, and I did every single Midwest race. So we're talking almost, what, like 10 races, something like that, between the two organizations. I get to see these people a lot because they do crossover. Great, great people, great, great families. Um, organizations are run, in my opinion, better. These two organizations are run better than any other organizations in the country. Plain and simple. I truly believe that. It's not because I'm friends with these people. Because even if I wasn't, even if I was friends with these people, you know I'm still going to call their ass out if they do something stupid. They really have their shit together. And I think they will continue to grow. And stay on the right path and the racers will come and yeah I mean it's a much 
I don't even want to call it an alternative at this point to something like NHRA because honestly, I think it's better than NHRA. I, I truly do. Um, I have a lot of disdain for a lot of the dumb shit that NHRA does, and they're just run terribly. But I look at Midwest Drag Racing and I look at PDRA and go, they've got their shit together. They're in their ownership or their leadership, whatever you want to call it, is really trying to make it better for the racers and the fans. It's not all a money grab and and shit like that. They're really trying to make it better for you guys. So I strongly suggest um, next season, if you get a chance to check out the Midwest Drag Racing Series and PDRA, the Professional Drag Racers Association, both great organizations. PDRA has already put out their schedule for next year. I talked to Ellen. Uh, the schedule for Midwest should be wrapped up soon. So as soon as that comes out, obviously you'll be able to see that on E3 Extreme along with the Midwest page and other social media outlets. I think that's pretty much going to wrap us up for today. But before I go, again, I would like to thank a few companies. And these are companies who have uh, stood by E3 Extreme and uh, in all the craziness that has gone on in our industry over the last few years. Menser Motorsports, again, I tell you guys all the time, shocks, struts, you should really be contacting Mark and his team. Um, I don't care if it's a pro mod, a radial car, a small tire slick car, a car show setup, whatever it is. Shocks, struts, coilovers, yada, yada, yada. Contact Mark and his team over at Menser Motorsports. I'm telling you, you will not find better customer service. Um, I've seen it firsthand. I, I, don't, I can't even count the amount of times. So definitely hit them up. Uh, MacFab Beadlocks, listen, you don't want the tire to spin on the on the rim. I don't care if you're running a, a nine-second Coyote stock car or, you know, a, a Pro Mod, whatever it may be, or even a bracket car for that matter. Consistency, consistency, consistency. That's what wins races. Well, guess what? If you're still running rim screws, you're just – kind of um i don't know what the hell you're thinking uh rim screws are just a piss-ass waste of time and if you've got those old wheels you know the the craggers or the old the the weld pro stars or the weld drag lights whatever it may be tommy over at macfab can beadlock those also you need to get yourself a good set of beadlocks don't be going out there dinking around I don't care if you've got a donk or like I said a nine second street car whatever get yourself a set of beadlocks from MacFab beadlocks do it right the first time Tommy will get you taken care of awesome customer service Tommy is super easy to deal with and a big supporter of everything that we do over at E3 so a huge shout out to Tommy over at MacFab if you're going to go drag racing, get yourself a set of beadlocks. If you're going to get yourself a set of beadlocks, get a set of MacFab beadlocks. It's that simple. Turbo, turbo people talking to you. 
Come on, turbo people. Garrett advancing motion. Or in most people's minds, Garrett turbos, but Garrett advancing motion. You get the idea. Listen, you got a golf cart, an RV, you know, a side-by-side, a wave runner, or a pro mod. Doesn't matter. Garrett is going to have a turbo that you can bolt onto that thing and go fast. They've proven it time and time again. Great customer service. Great product. Get a hold of Garrett. Get yourself the real deal. And go win some races. Lastly, and certainly not least, Scott Bathurst over at Classic Graphics. Classic Graphics does all of E3 Extreme's apparel. Crew shirts, t-shirts, jackets, hats, doesn't matter. Scott can do them. Scott is the best in the business, in in my opinion, obviously. Uh, Does plenty of NHRA. A lot of the t-shirts that you probably have in your closet, if they're from other drivers, NHRA or otherwise, Chances are Scott probably did them. Great turnaround. Very easy to work with on artwork. Very easy to work with if you don't have artwork. He can design your artwork also. So if you're looking for team apparel for your race team, if you're looking for t-shirts for your business, anything like that, contact Scott over Classic Graphics. Let him know that I sent you. and. Get it done right. Scott does it the right way. He's been doing it a long time. Uh, There are some others out there who don't necessarily respect photographers as much as they should. And uh, Scott's not that way. He makes sure everything is done right and everything is done the way that you want it done so that you are happy in the end. So make sure to hit them up. If you need it for all your apparel needs, make sure to uh, hit up Scott at Classic Graphics and support those that support the Scorched Podcast and support E3 Extreme. Lastly, hey, you nitrous guys, you nitrous guys and gals out there, if you want a great setup, and you want to walk away from all those other nitrous people? Call up Dave over at Nitrous Outlet. He'll get you set up. You're not going to be looking at somebody's taillights. The only taillights you may see, somebody else using a nitrous outlet system. If you're running nitrous, your competitor's running nitrous, you can bet your ass. The one winning... Yeah, chances are they're running a nitrous outlet system. So give Dave Vassar a call over at Nitrous Outlet. He'll get you hooked up. Until next time, which again will be sooner than later. You've been listening to Scorched. Scorched. Raw. Raw. Real. Real. And unfiltered. Join us next time when Damon scorches it all again to find previous episodes, news, commentary, and event coverage. Head to E3 Extreme. There is no one better.